Hello. Welcome to the Valley View podcast, episode 31. I actually have no idea. Let's go with 31. It's either 31 or 32. Um, I think it's 32, actually. Welcome to the Valley View podcast, somewhere in the prime of adulthood in the 30s. Um, my name's Tyler. I'm here with Pastor Matthew Brandt. Um, and I think we'll just jump right into it with a sponsor this week. Um, the sponsor kind of kind kind of came in at the last minute. Actually, was walking to work today and huh. realized that that this uh, group wanted to sponsor us uh, this week. The Valley View Podcast is sponsored by the Big Ten Network. Um, <laughs> wow! Currently, That's fantastic. Currently, I am uh, rocking a Michigan hoodie, uh, and Pastor Matt Brandt is wearing a nice pullover Iowa sweatshirt. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess Big Ten Network, they, they realized that we support them. So they decided they wanted to support us. Um, so yeah, Big Ten Network. I think growing up, it was channel 436 or 439 on uh, mm. Dish Network. Um, so check your local listing, check your local provider to see how you can get the Big Ten Network and see all of the college basketball, college football, mm-hmm. um, maybe some college volleyball if you're into that. Um, yeah, check your local listing, see where you can get to the Big Ten Network. Uh, Tyler, do you remember a time when Penn State was not in the Big Ten? Uh, no. Mm-hmm. I remember learning... When there that, were 10 teams in the Big yeah. Ten? <laughs> I remember learning that the Big Ten had 11 teams and that Penn State was relatively new, and I was surprised. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't remember them not being in the Big Ten. Yeah. When did they join? Um, I think they joined in the mid-90s. I'm going to say like 93, 94. So what year was I born, Matt? um 89 1998 <laughs> did you really think 89 I, I didn't stop and think yeah <laughs> didn't stop and think so no I, I don't remember Penn State not being in the Big Ten okay. I do remember yeah. Rutgers and Nebraska and Maryland not being in the Big Ten yeah yeah those are the days been, yep that's been much more recent I, I do think that Nebraska fits maybe that's my own popular opinion they do yeah, yeah. geographically um and yeah. like the vibe of their football team. Yeah. The arrogance. Big, well, big, strong, like corn fed boys. <laughs> Anyways, this is a, we're, we're tr- these last few weeks, I feel like we're trending more into starting our podcast is just two dudes talking about our day. So we got to stay away from that. Yeah. Let's, let's get back on script. We Wait, have a listener question, right? We do have a listener question. So, uh, thank you, Big Ten Network for hopping on board. We um, really appreciate you. Disappoint. Yeah. Um, so our uh, listener question this week comes from a lovely listener named Asher from south st paul hmm. um asher wants to know that uh if we were to remake mount rushmore which four presidents will we put on mount rushmore mm. Mm. okay that's a great question Asher. it is and thank mm-hmm. you thank you for that question do you want to take the first stab at it tyler do you feel like you've got a handle on where you would go i almost have like two ways that i would want to go with it like there's the the classical way of just you know four of the presidents that I think were the best or the most impactful, mm-hmm. but then there's also the fun way, which would be going with like the most memeable presidents, you know. <laughs> so maybe we'll have maybe I'll go first with with my my uh my funny my funny president answer, uh-huh. okay. um and then you can go ahead with maybe somewhat of a real answer. Okay, seems like the way to do things here. Sounds good. So. The first president on Tyler's Mount Rushmore would be, I think he was our ninth president. His name was William Henry Harrison. Nice. And the reason that he makes the cut on my Mount Rushmore is that he was only president for about eight or nine weeks. 
Yes. He he gave his inaugural address like when he got sworn into office uh, in a rain, like a rainstorm, like a thunderstorm. And he gave the address for three hours. And uh, he promptly got pneumonia and died eight <laughs> weeks later. Same. Some people think he drank some bad milk and that was what got him sick. But the, the most common like understanding is that he got pneumonia from his inaugural speech. Wow, there's a great lesson in there, isn't uh, I think. Pride goeth before the fall. Yeah. Um, Don't listen maybe, to the sound of your voice too much. Don't enjoy that too much. Yeah, maybe about the benefits of brevity. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, William Henry Harrison. And so then, he's on. So he's so he makes it. Yeah, he's number one. Good. Um, Good. I like a, it. Another president that I would love to put on uh, is a guy by the name of Warren G. Harding. You heard that name? Oh, yeah. So this is truly like a, a bizarro world. Yeah. Mount Rushmore. Okay. William uh, uh, Warren G. Harding makes the cut because he is regarded as one of the worst presidents in our history. Yeah. Um, he was yeah. the president right after World War One, like between World War One and World War Two. So he didn't really have to do a whole lot to get elected because America was like popping off in the 20s. Um, but I had like a little president's book growing up and, the, and that president's book said that Warren G. Harding is regarded as like one of our worst presidents. Mm-hmm. They didn't really do anything and really didn't do anything that great. Anytime there's a list of like ranking the presidents, it's he's almost always the he's last like one. at the very bottom. Yeah. yeah. The very bottom. Um, so there, so, so far we have William Henry Harrison and um, Warren G. Harding. Those were the two that I knew that I needed to have on. Now I'm actually between about three or four for my last two spots. Um, I don't think I can do uh, a funny Mount Rushmore without including William Howard Taft on the list. So I think we got to put William Howard Taft on there as number three. William Howard Taft was our fattest president. He, during his presidency, once got stuck in a bathtub. Um, So I think he has to make the cut. He was actually a decent president from what I recall. But Yeah, and well, he, I think he's also the only president that... um served as chief justice of the Supreme Court. Oh, I didn't even know that. He was on the Supreme Court. Yeah. And I could be wrong about that. He may not have been chief justice, but he was on the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. I think he's the only one that's done double duty. My only question about him for you is because of his uh, large size, does he get represented on Mount Rushmore in accordance with his relative size? That would be so cool. It's everybody else's face and his like belly. (laughs) Um. So yeah, uh, William Henry Harrison, Warren G. Harding, William Howard Taft. And then there's three that I'm between for the last spot. Um, I think my honorable mentions would have to be Grover Cleveland mm. because he's the only president that was uh, president for two non-consecutive terms. Yeah, wasn't that weird to see him show up two times on the, you know, those presidential, strange. presidential yeah. charts when you were a kid? Like, why is this guy on here again? Yeah. <laughs> And then my um, and then my other honorable mention is a guy by the name of Benjamin Harrison, mm. and he is he's on he's my honorable mention because nobody remembers him because he was between the two Grover Cleveland presidencies. No, like if I were to forget a president, so I used to be able to name all of the presidents in order when I was in like seventh grade. I don't think I could do it anymore. Um, but Benjamin Harrison would would be like the easiest to forget because he's between the Grover Cleveland presidencies. He's between, and he is the descendant, and I think maybe the grandson of Will. William Henry Harrison, uh-huh. who you mentioned earlier. Yeah. So you've got relatives. so honorable mention. Okay. Um, honorable mention. But the fourth and final spot on Tyler's Mount Rushmore, Tyler Magnuson's Mount Rushmore, it has to be none other than John Tyler, <laughs> for obvious okay. reasons. Okay. Because his name is Tyler. Yeah. How am I not going to put him on? Yeah. Um, also, my fun John Tyler fact is that um, as of last year, I would assume this year it's still relevant. But John Tyler was our tenth president. 
he was president in like the mid 1800s, early to mid 1800s. He actually took over for William Henry Harrison when he died. Hmm. Um, as of 2021, John Tyler still had a grandchild alive. Yes, did you know that? I heard about that. I can't remember how I heard about that, but I did. Which it's amazing. If you look at, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you look at your family lineage, your grandparent was likely born in like the 1930s, 40s, 20s. Some, sometime in the mid early to mid 1900s um john tyler's grandchild who's alive if they were to trace back their family lineage john tyler was born in the late 1700s and that his grandchild is still alive today yeah i think he married uh, a really young woman yeah well towards the tail end of his presidency or maybe after his presidency and and that's how we get the situation so this is due to john tyler but i think it's more due to his kid john tyler had a kid in like his mid to late 50s but John Tyler's son had a kid at like 75. <laughs> okay. And now that kid is the one who's still alive. Right. And that kid is in their nineties. Right. Okay. So I got to say, I, uh, so let's recap. Mm-hmm. You've got William Henry Harrison. I do. Grover Cleveland. Nope. No. William nope. Henry Harrison, Warren G. Harding, uh, William Howard Taft and John Tyler. Okay. That is I, my Mount Rushmore. If I were to remake it. I, I love the, um, the vibe of your Mount Rushmore. Yeah. You like my Mount Rushmore energy <laughs> because it, it, uh, it highlights obscurity yep. and it's a paradox with what Mount Rushmore is. So yeah, it's completely this paradox of these really high profile, visible, um, presidents, like the greatest honor and it's the most obscure people, yeah. except for maybe Taft. But the other guys, like... But Taft earns it. Ta- like, when I said, when I mentioned the word memeable, you have yeah. to have Taft on a memeable or Mount Rushmore. <laughs> What's okay. your list? Okay, I've got Washington. I've got Lincoln. I've got... They stay, yeah. I've got FDR. Okay. Um, and, you know, there's obvious reasons for the inclusion of all those three. But then my last one, I'm going to go with Calvin Coolidge. I, you know, I thought of including him. Yeah. yeah. Calvin Coolidge's nickname was Silent Cal. And, and that's why I've got him on there. Did um, you ever hear the story about him at uh, a dinner with the person who bet that they can make him talk? Yeah, yeah, I, I have. Well, Do you want to tell the story or should I? I? I don't remember what the punchline is. I just know that it's really good. Okay. So Calvin Coolidge was at a dinner and I don't know if it was like a senator or a representative or whatever, but the person who is like assigned to sit next to him at the dinner turned to him and said, Miss President Coolidge, I made a bet with a friend that I would be able to make you say three or more words during this dinner tonight. And Calvin Coolidge turned and looked at him and said, you lose. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. It's a really good story. I'd love to have him up there. I could uh, see the conversations between uh, parents and their children. Like, Hey, uh, there's Washington and Lincoln and FDR. I, like I recognize all the, but who's that other guy? Yeah. Yeah. Calvin uh, Coolidge. Cal, Calvin Coolidge. And you know, I've got a son named Calvin. So yeah, I've got to go that direction. Yeah. If I were to, if I were to do it for real, I, I agree. I was thinking about that. Washington and Lincoln have to stay mm-hmm. Jefferson's fringe because he actually did like expand the country a lot, you know, yeah. like he was a big deal, but then like, I love Teddy Roosevelt. Like I'm, I'm a huge Teddy Roosevelt fan. Love Teddy bears. Love that. He did all the stuff for the national parks, but like, let's be real. He's on there because he, they needed a recent person when they were making it. <laughs> and I think yeah. he probably had something to do with the funding for Mount Rushmore being formed. Like, yeah, he's kind of the yeah. like honorarium type of guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Um, it would also be fun to go with like a family version, uh, the, the, putting the two bushes on there. I think would That'd be, be really funny. Fun. The two bushes and the two and uh, <laughs> the two, the Adams. two Adamses. Yeah. Yeah, just make it a, a family affair. Ashley, that's a great question. Thank you. 
We're going to hit. Shout uh, out to Asher. We're going to hit two other things today. We're going to talk about uh, the difficulty of reading the prophets. We started a prophets discussion before we took a break and did the stories talk to our wives. Met our wives. So we'll get we'll get back to the prophets um, on this episode and then follow that up uh, with a, a question on the following episode. Um, before we do that, um, I wanted to ask Tyler some questions about money today. Mm. You ready for that? I was born ready. Okay. A little concerned, but we'll see. Yeah. So the, Matt the, told me about this like 10 minutes ago that he was going to ask me about money today on the podcast. Yeah. Well, who doesn't like to talk a little bit about money? So um, let me start here. Tyler, how do you feel about money? Um, I like to not think about it. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Uh, for what reason do you like to not think about money? Because it can be stressful. Mm. Especially now that I am a real adult and have to pay for an apartment and have monthly bills and everything, like it'd be stressful to think about money sometimes. Yeah, they say money is one of the biggest areas of conflict for um, married couples. Mm-hmm. You know, what should we do with our money? Um, all those things. I, I'm not so much interested in like the um, my marital issues. The more, <laughs> yeah, or the more difficult aspects related to money. I'm more interested in like the fun aspects. Okay. related to money for instance tyler what uh what's the most amount of money that you have ever found found yeah so just like laying around not like in your house but like as you have walked around on this globe yeah what's like the the most amount of money that you ever found while you've been out just walking around i mean i don't there's no number that jumps to mind mm. so it must not be that much I think part of that is that I would assume the most money I found is when I was working at camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was likely like, and that's not really an exciting find because when you're a camp counselor and you find some money on the ground, you don't say, Oh, cool. I found 20 bucks. You say, <laughs> shoot, I have to go turn this into lost and found and find what seven-year-old lost their $20, <laughs> you know? So I, I don't know. I mean, I will pick up a quarter, but I probably wouldn't pick up anything smaller than that. Yeah. Okay. So you wouldn't pick up a dime. Huh? No, not interested. Okay. I pick up dimes. Okay. I pick up nickels. Okay. Um, I usually don't pick up pennies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm only interested in quarters and above. So I asked you that question because I, I wanted to know if you had any good stories about finding money, but I also wanted to I tell some not. of my money finding stories. I would love to hear it. I, I would love nothing more than to hear your money finding stories, Matt. <laughs> I, I do have this recurring dream that, uh, I'm finding quarters everywhere mm-hmm. and just picking up quarters. Okay. I mean, I think most people have recurring dreams. That's one of mine that like everywhere I look, there's quarters to pick up. So, wow. Anyway. Um, one time I found 40 cents in a vending machine at my dad's office. How did that make you feel? I felt really good. It was good. a quarter, a diamond, and a nickel, which wow. I, I think is really fun. Like, have you ever heard the really dumb like brain teaser? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> This is the, there's only one really what, dumb. Brain when teaser. I was a kid, I would go through these like brain teaser books because I enjoyed them because uh-huh. I was a nerd. Okay. Um, and w- the dumbest question to me ever, I thought it was the stupidest thing, was um, make 30 cents with two like pieces of money mm-hmm. and one of them is not a quarter. Ah, right. Yeah, I don't like that one either. Do you it's know the answer? Dumb. What's the answer? Like a quarter and a nickel one's not a quarter because but the we, other one is yeah it's yeah, so exactly. stupid it sounds like that's definitely a junior high brain teaser isn't it? it was so well it was so frustrating <laughs> so anyway I, I don't know why i remember that it was just so thrilling you know as like a 
eight year old to like 40 cents to like stick your hand and in back the, in your day 40 cents could buy you something pretty nice yeah, right yeah 40 cents used to be not insignificant i mean to stick your hand into the change return i think i was in the habit of doing that just like walking around at just vending to see. machines just to see and one time wow there's 40 cents um i found five dollars on the school playground one oh. time um took it home it was a it was kind of a needy time for my family, actually. And I think we ended up buying milk with it. Oh, nice. Because we... Hopeful son. Yeah, we needed some money. And I, I told my mom, yeah, I found this. I think the largest amount I've ever found is $20 in the Walmart parking lot. Dang, look yeah, at that. I know, that, that's pretty significant. It's a free 20. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No obligation to return it. There's nobody, there's no your plausible deniability. It was in the parking lot at Walmart. Just Easy $20. Just around. Yeah. What, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. Right? Um. I think my favorite story, though, is uh, I found a dollar outside of church one time. So I was probably, I think I was in college when this happened. Okay. So I was walking into church. I found a dollar in the parking lot or near the door. And I had that moment of, ooh, what do I do? Like, what's the right thing to do here? I'm at church. So do I keep it? Yeah. Or do I put it in the offering plate? So that was the struggle going on inside me. What do you think I did, Tyler? I think you... I actually really don't know. How old were you? I was in college. So you said that you like really got serious about Christ and came to Jesus in college. So I don't know if this experience is before or after that. So I'm guessing by the way you asked the question, it was before. So I'm going to guess that you kept the dollar. <laughs> that would be a good guess. Did you, did you put the, it in the offering? I put it in the offering. Darn it. And the reason it's a good story is because uh, that same day after, after the church service, there was a guy in our church that walked up to me and just gave me $20. Wow. Because he knew I was a college student. Yeah. And I know that this guy was in the habit of doing that from time to time. Could have had $21 though. <laughs> so I don't know. I hope this isn't irresponsible. I haven't really hashed this out, but I've always kind of wondered, like, if I hadn't put that dollar in the offering plate at church, would I have gotten that $20? Wondering if guy? karma's a thing. Was, was it kind of a, a divine sowing and reaping like a divine you made the right choice moment right yeah so i don't want to take this too far i'm just saying it's an interesting question to ponder right right if i'd have kept that dollar from the beginning of with... creation did the lord purpose it that you would put that dollar in there yeah and then as a result get the 20 right right i don't know who's to say really who's to say uh tyler have you um ever had in your possession a two dollar bill yeah yeah do you have one now um, like in your pocket no not in my pocket okay i don't know if i have any anymore i think at some point i just spent them like i because i definitely had a decent like i was like giving them in my childhood every once in a while but like mm -hmm. i don't know i'm not really a that sentimental of a person so i think at some point i was probably like yeah i need this thing that costs a buck 75 i don't have any other money there you go <laughs> uh what what was your what was your first job? When did you start earning your, your own money? Well, that's a complicated question. Oh. My first, um, my first job was Shamanah, like working at camp, mm -hmm. um, when I was 15, but I didn't start making like a steady income with like a conventional because camp is not a steady income. It's like $15 a week. Um, I didn't start. Yeah. My first year at camp when I was 15, I was making $15 a week. My second year I was making $20 a week. But you were getting all of your room and board paid for, right? Yes. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And in you were having in a exchange great time. for working 14 hours a day. It's fine. <laughs> <Okay>. um, 
camp life. Camp life. Um, so my first job when I was earning like real money, it wasn't until college because mm-hmm. I never really like, I never needed to work in high school and I never really wanted to work in high school because mm-hmm. um, I enjoyed being involved with youth group and doing sports and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think that that landscape has changed even since I was in high school, just like five years ago. Like, I think it would be a lot harder to have gone to college, especially at like a private school like I did without uh, getting a significant amount of income, mm-hmm. but it worked for me and it was nice for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first like job was in college working uh, facilities at Northwestern, mm-hmm. best job in the world. Did you, uh, so you didn't have a lot of uh, income coming in in your junior high and high school years? No, working like the job. none whatsoever. But did you have some relatives in your family that would send you a birthday card or something with some money inside? Oh yeah, Christmas. Christmas. Birthday too, but Christmas okay. especially. Tell us what that was like. Who was who was sending you bills like in the mail? Oh, my Aunt Lynn and Uncle Peter um, would always send like a good like joking gift and then a nice amount of money. Like they, they, like they do pretty well. Like my uncle's like a very successful salesman. Mm-hmm. So they like were able to send a decent amount, you know, mm-hmm. but they would always send like a decent amount of money and like a really good, like funny gift. Like one year they sent us all like different rolls of toilet paper, different kinds of rolls of toilet paper. Like I got Sudoku toilet paper. Um, <laughs> okay. One year we got, uh, oh, I mean for COVID they sent us all like goofy masks. Like my dad got a mask that had like a big mustache on it. <laughs> um, okay. so. Would it have been more likely for junior high Tyler to save up that money to buy something you were saving for, or would it be more likely for junior high Tyler to go out and blow the money on? Oh, as a saver. Really? Yeah. I've got, I've gotten worse over the years. Like I've gotten, I'm much freer with my money now than I used to be. Uh But no, I mean, when I was really little, probably like first, second, third grade, the store by our house would sell these like stuffed birds that like made noise. And I was getting like, this is going to sound really goofy, but I was getting like, this makes me sound a lot older than I am, but I was getting like 10 cents a week for my allowance. Um, (laughs) That's great. And the birds cost about $7. So I would save up for like multiple months to get those birds because I wanted to like collect all the different kinds. Like there was an Oriole, there was like a Robin, there was a Cardinal. Were they like Beanie Babies? No, they were slightly bigger than Beanie Babies and you could press them and they would make the, the bird call noise of that bird. Wow. I probably still have some at my house. I thought they were, I thought they were super cool. Yeah, you should bring some of those in uh, to your office. Next time I go to my parents' house? Yeah. Grab a couple? Yeah, I'd love to see that. Hopefully my mom reminds me, sorry mom. Hopefully my mom reminds me when she listens to this. That's the problem great. is if I go home in the next week, uh, to, to break the illusion for the listeners, uh, we're recording this a week early because Matt's going to be on vacation in a week or two and we want to get ahead. Um, but yeah, if I see my mom between now and next week, she won't know to mention it to me, but if it's like two weeks from now, then she'll remember. This is great. I, I, um, and I won't remember. I don't remember anything I say on this podcast. My mom will joke with me all the time and I always forget about it. I think I've said that on the podcast before, but I forgot about it. Uh, stuffed birds that make a noise when you push them is a great segue into our uh, theological into topic the prophets, the yeah. Day, which is the prophet when God pushes on the stuffed bird, the prophet speaks. <laughs> so, Tyler, uh, you know, you open up your Bible, maybe your Bible reading for the day is in um, Nahum, or maybe it's in Ezekiel. Uh, maybe Nahum's a good example, maybe it's Isaiah or, or Habakkuk or Joel. Um, the thought we want to think about today is very simply that it can be difficult to read in the prophets. Mm-hmm. So I was talking with a guy the other day that just was saying he skips large portions of the prophets 
when he's doing his Bible reading, um, which I think on the one hand is understandable. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's like, wow, that's really too bad um, that you would just kind of stay away from those sections. But in reality, there are a lot of things that keep us away from those parts of the Bible. Um, yeah, I was talking to so, a student about Nahum recently, and she was like, why is this here? Yeah. Like, like, why is this in the Bible? Yeah, so the, that's one of the difficulties, right? It's yeah. just very fundamentally the question, why is this here? <laughs> so why do we say that this is divinely inspired by God? Yeah, okay, so let's just take Nahum for an example. Um, there are, are two, um, two books of the Bible that end with a question. Mm-hmm. Do you know which two those are, Tyler? No. Put you on put you on the spot here. Nope. Okay. The um here's a here's a clue. I can get. Oh yeah, give me a clue. And then the I'll clue guess. is that um in, interestingly they both deal with the uh, topic of Nineveh. Okay, so Nahum and Jonah. Yeah. Because I was my fun fact was going to be there's two books that talk about Nineveh. Oh, okay. There you yeah. go. So it just so happens that the two books that talk about Nineveh are the two books that end with a question. And they okay. say slightly different things about the fate of Nineveh. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, slightly. They yeah, they do. Right. So Jonah is about the repentance and salvation of Nineveh and God mm-hmm. relenting from disaster. Nahum, on the other hand, is about what? The absolute destruction and decimation of Nineveh. Yeah. <laughs> like 50 years later, or 100 years later. Yeah. Coming afterwards. And so you've got this book called Nahum, which is prophecy against Nineveh, and you might think, well, well, why is this here? What would you tell a student that came to you, or what did you tell them when they say, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, why is this here? It's not like written specifically against Israel. It's not like, how does this apply to my life? What, what, how would you answer that question? Um, I'm trying to remember what I said. Um, you definitely see a bit of the character of God in Nahum, um, which mm-hmm. at first glance, when it's talking about how he's going to destroy them and like they have sowed the wind and wait no that's not in a nahum but like he'll, he'll destroy them wipe them out there will be nothing left like at first you read that and you say okay well i don't know if i like what this says about the character of god mm-hmm. but as you learn the context and see that the reason for this destruction is that they've been treating everyone around them terribly like Mm -hmm. destroying nations like they deported the northern tribes of israel like Mm -hmm. they what you see about the character of god is that he will not leave the guilty unpunished Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. the punishment will not be Mm -hmm. the 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 punishment will not be less or will not be severe Mm -hmm. because we say that god is loving like sometimes we when we talk about god being loving we think that that means that he needs to be like impotent or we think that that means that he needs to like say, yeah, you did all this stuff wrong, but I don't actually care because I'm so loving. Yeah. And that would actually be a problem. Like we, we don't want a God that doesn't punish yeah. sin, you know, like we, we might think that we want that when we first think about it, but uh, uh, I actually, I'm remembering now the, the example that I use, it's kind of a, a, like kind of a strong example, but like the example that I used was rape. Like if, if you hear of somebody getting raped, like the, them being violated in that way, like that should make you mad. If it doesn't make you mad, it doesn't mean that you're more loving. It means that you may need to work on your morality and understanding of right and wrong a little bit more. Right. You know, so if we had a God who was not 
ticked off and like moved to extreme anger by things like rape like that isn't a god that's more loving it's a god that's more uncaring right um but the 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 logical progression of that is that like we get like rape is an example of sin we get upset about rape because it's a very clear Mm -hmm. example of something that's very wrong Mm -hmm. to to carry that farther though like any sin is an offense it's something wrong done against god so if god's not going to get angry about that like that like that's i god's anger is like a perfection of his love and justice you know so seeing him yeah seeing him be very very unhappy and going to destroy Nineveh, like Nineveh, it makes us uncomfortable, but we wouldn't want a God that's not angry at sin. Like we just wouldn't. I think that's a great answer. Uh, and what I'm, what I'm hearing there and what I'm taking away is that a book like Nahum can round out our understanding of God's justice or what it means for God to be just. Um, in, in a difficult way, in a, but, in a difficult, but way. a necessary way, in my opinion. So in a sense, it may be better to approach some of these prophetic books with the question, um, with the first question being, what does this teach me about God? And I think we tend to start with the question, how do I apply this to my life? What does this teach me? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, what does this teach me? What do I get from this? Why is this here? Because I don't see its impact on my life, but maybe start with a different question, which is, what does this tell me about God's character and about who he is right. and, and how does that shape my understanding of God and round out my understanding of who he is in the ways that you just described? Like, so we don't have a distorted view of the idea of justice or love. Well, cause end of the day, like the Bible is not about Matt and Tyler. Like it's for Matt and Tyler, but yeah. the Bible is about God. Yeah. Like the, the yeah. story of God and his plan, yeah. like that, that's what the Bible is actually about. Yeah. So we, it, it would yeah. be more helpful for us to go into the Bible saying, what is this saying about God and his plan than what is this saying about my day today? Yeah, I totally agree. And we've, there are large chunks of Isaiah and Ezekiel where it's um, God's judgment on the nations, you mm-hmm. know, and it's mixed in with God's um, reproof of his own people and then presenting hope for his people. We've also got mixed in these ju- this judgment on the nations and their enemies. So the end result is that there's this really well-rounded picture of what God is doing in helping his people who are in distress, like make sense of their time. We got a phone call and it's past 30 minutes. So I'm going to end this podcast and uh, we will see you next week. Have a great week, everybody. We're going to talk about the prophets again next week.